The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. This is episode 20 of season three, and I'm Marty Gold. Uh, once again, a big thanks to our supporters, to our donors, to our listeners. This is funded by you, uh, by small businesses, by people who are concerned about which direction their city, their province, their country is going. And uh, this is uh, following in a long tradition uh, of a kind of journalism, a kind of, of uh, civic advocacy, so to speak, public uh, public affairs coverage that just doesn't exist anywhere and is certainly not funded by government. That's where I come in, and that's where you come in as well. Um this episode largely dedicated to civics involving the city of Winnipeg, but a subject that comes up across the, the country, and that is bike lanes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I haven't touched even on on what was going on in Montreal uh, with regards to uh, to this uh, plan for bike lanes there. But if you think it's unusual, people in Winnipeg think it doesn't fit, that it isn't right, that they're getting screwed over. Uh-uh. This is the modus operandi of the bike lobby. And my guest uh, tonight, today, you're going to hear, we're going to have it in two parts, to about to two, two pieces of our conversation, 10 into 10 minutes each, more easily digestible. City Councilor Russ Wyatt from Transcona. Uh, Wyatt, of course, a frequent uh, guest with me over the years in different venues, and uh, I had many good conversations with him under the rafters, so to speak. I remember in particular one time at City Council after I'd made a uh, presentation uh, and uh, Russ intercepted me uh, underneath the grandstand, the way it's set up there. And, and uh, we had a, a long talk just about the way things were going. And uh, over the course of this interview, you'll hear him talk about um, what it was like in those days a little bit. He back-references things that went on at City Hall and people that were there even uh, five and six years ago, let's say, and further back than that. But I'm following up in, in this case with the interview with, uh, not the interview, but the episode that we did, uh, where he blasted uh, the the city's bike lane plans uh, when Councillor Sherry Rollins came forward with uh, with all these proposals she wants to do to constrict traffic and make things more AT, active transportation or pedestrian friendly, in her view. Regardless of what proper planning, rules, procedures, consultations may be, and Russ Wyatt rightfully called this out. And as you'll, you'll hear him explain, people who are longtime uh, followers of this, uh, he was there back in the day, especially uh, on Kick FM, with regards to the various bike lane and other infrastructure fiascos where the city creates gridlock. And that was, again, in that uh, public works meeting where you heard the audio from Councillor Rollins, from Councillor Wyatt, uh, Councillor Marcus Chambers as well, trying to figure out what do you mean no left turn? Janice was saying, ah, it's no big deal. You just turn, just go down, down Fort, which was wrong because you, you get a ticket for that. And, you know, go people have people drive five minutes out of their way to try to get to where they're going because God forbid, God forbid they remember why they uh, walked away from this idea of closing Man at Cinnabon. In any event, Russ Wyatt knows the background. He's well-versed in this. And he's at City Hall now, coming back into politics, and he doesn't like what he's saying. And you're going to hear him talk about how Winnipeg compares to other cities. He wants the city to stop randomly wiping out parking for residents and small businesses. You'll hear him explain how there's enough money in the kitty available to actually fix up our streets, the ones that need fixing. 
But instead, the city duplicates these mistakes over and over again, ramming them through. And he is getting inclined to find out a little more about what's going on. So without further ado, here's my uh, interview with our esteemed guest on this uh, episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, uh, Russ Wyatt. You'll hear this uh, segment, then I'll come back and uh, and uh, throw to the break, and then we'll come back with even more. But here's the first 10 minutes of uh, the wisdom and, uh, and wit and uh, biting criticism for City Hall, the city administration, uh, from one Russ Wyatt. A long-standing tradition with the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is to speak with the newsmakers and speak with the decision-makers. And a long-standing tradition has been, whether it's uh, through the incarnation on Kick FM or then with the City Circus show and on Shaw TV, it's a long-standing tradition to go, hey, Russ Wyatt, what's happening? How are you doing, Marty? And Russ Wyatt, one of the biggest fans, I, which he openly admits to, so I'm not giving away any secrets, one of the biggest fans that, uh, that the kind of work that I do has ever had uh, both in terms of the radio side and the TV side, of which he was a very popular guest, making a couple of appearances, and uh, never too shy in our dealings uh, with Russ on matters pertaining to City Hall, going back to 2002. And I didn't even, uh, well, I was on radio briefly uh, with uh, with uh, Talk Radio 1290 in, in 1999, but I didn't even get back on the air here until 2004 and when I, I came re- back to the West I Coast. I remember being in the studio with you at the River College. Yeah, yeah. Kick yeah. FM. We had all a right. lot of long oh, discussions there. Yes, and, and And not all of it, as many counselors, some of which are still on Council Learned, wasn't always easy facing my questions, the questions brought forward by the audience of this uh, this kind of journalism that actually is interested in what goes on in City Hall and how taxpayers' dollars are being spent and why things are the way they are and why they aren't better, which brings me to the subject at hand. Russ Wyatt, to my surprise, was drawn to my attention about the Public Works meeting on October 10th, a uh, news stories previewing one of the matters being brought forward by Councillor Rollins of Fort Rouge. Uh, Sherry Rollins actually brought forward three matters sort of rolled into one that uh, then had to be uh, surgically dissected by the Public Works Committee. And you engaged in a Q&A with her after she made her presentation. We played that audio. I know you are busy. You may not have heard the podcast in question. We played the audio of her presentation. I explained it. We played the back and forth that you had uh, with her as well. And then the committee discussion. So this audience... They heard it all, okay. and they heard what I had to say about it. But you raised, out of the blue, when she's talking about these other things, you raised the question of the, of you talk about parking loss on River and on Stradbrook, mm-hmm. but you were really talking about was bike lanes. Had you been contacted by residents and businesses with their concerns about what's going on there and the imposition of this? Uh, or or uh, did you hear from them? Because I did, and so I'm wondering why you brought this up. I brought it up because I, I have friends in the area, and... Uh I'm familiar with uh, our application process for new development. There's been a lot of new development in mm-hmm. that area, and that's been great for the city. And what's interesting about these applications that come forward, a lot of them have uh, minimal parking requirements, and right. the city makes them submit what's called a parking management plan. Mm-hmm. And in the parking management plan, the council passes tied to their application for new development, these new apartment buildings, Right. Uh, it indicates where the parking is on the streets. Uh-huh. Where you can park on the street, park your car, because there's not enough parking spots on the site that's being developed. Right, or so, so normal zoning would indicate a property might need, say, 12 spots. They say, well, you know, can you give us 10? And there's right. ample public parking nearby. Right, and I kind of, and what I said to the councillors, you've just wiped out 50% of the parking on river, 
50 uh, coming soon, and 50% are, is being wiped out on Stradbrook as well. Mm-hmm. Have you gone and revised all the parking management plans, number one? Have the residents been truly consulted? Because my experience has been, the city's form of consultation on this is the city establishes the capital budget for these programs, and then they come at the last minute to give you basically, this is what we're doing. And that's not my idea of consultation, right? You're basically telling the residents this is happening whether you like it or not. And I don't think the residents in the area were properly consulted. And frankly, uh, we now see what's happening on Goulet. Not to mention the residents, Marty, but I'm also thinking of the small businesses and I'm thinking of the mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Who are going to be impacted by this? Well, I, I want I want to I want yeah, to get to the sure. Ghoulie thing in a second. Let's just do this sure. section by section. Sure. And again, I realize that you may not know, but back over the course of the winter, I covered the Goulet and the Marion issues, right. uh, and and we'll work to that. But I also had flagged the 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 lack of consultation been flagged to me by somebody inside City Hall, right. uh, who who was themselves concerned. That the businesses that the businesses in Fort Rouge in in Osborne Village and the residents especially that they did not know they were going to get their parking wiped out on River they did not know they were going to lose their loading zones uh, and and there, there was going to be some sort of a scramble to deal with uh, with this uh, here I'll do it this way are you aware of the total number of known parking spots being lost in Osborne Village due to this project counselor. I was told by the Public Works Department it's over 200. Ah, it's 206 because ah, it's a certain not as we have reported in as we reported previously. I can't remember. I think that was in April. Uh, it was uh, an, uh, a certain number on Scott Street as well. Right. And I have reason to believe that property owners on Scott Street have not had no consultation. Now, my own experience with Osborne Village, as you know, is beside from having lived there in like two or three different stints in my life, strangely enough, four different stints come to think of it, my many years working at the Osborne Village Inn for the Green family. I can tell you that this kind, these kinds of projects, the loss of parking, were there a hotel, bar, establishment like that in that neighborhood, they would be wiped out by the loss of this kind of parking well, in, I, in that neighborhood. And I'm hearing from business owners yeah. who are adversely affected. But you're saying that the city has a, a process, is it the public improvements process, where they have to actually get people to sign a petition to agree to these kinds well, of projects? Well, well, no. So right now, what I'm suggesting is that the city should be implementing a process similar to what's called what we do for a local improvement. So let's say you want to... Um, so you're saying there is a process. There is a process. That the city could adapt to this, but it's chosen not to. Correct. So, for example, if, you're, if, if you want to pave your back lane or if you want to put a sidewalk on your street that doesn't exist, you do what's called a local improvement. It goes on your tax bill. You got to get, you did get a petition. It has to get a certain percentage of people. 70% or something. Um, it needs... If, if the residents apply, it's 60%. If the city applies, it's 50%. And it could actually go to community committee and it could be less. However, okay. it has to go to community committee. Now, that has to be part of, that is actually stated through the City of Winnipeg Charter, the local improvement process. And I'm suggesting the same be done here with these bike lanes because I'm in favor of, of active transportation and I think everybody in the city thinks it's wonderful. But at the same time, if you're turning around and you're randomly wiping out parking lots for re- parking for residents and on top of that, small businesses, many of them, mom and pop shops, mm-hmm. Who all of a sudden, you know, I think of the fellow, who, the, the family who runs full one at the corner of, uh, I, it's either McDermott or Bannatine and Isabel. And sorry, yeah, 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 right? yeah. All of a sudden, the, uh, you know, the city comes along. number one. It was underpacked again. He was a counselor at the time. Wiping out all his parking on this, on, you can't park on Isabel, basically. So he's, it's a side street. Yeah. And, and it, gone. 
because they put a bike lane in. He said, Councilor Wyatt, I said, I agree. I agree. This is an outrage. And so he's managed One to, of the least utilized bike lanes in the city, might right. I add. Yeah. And he's managed to survive, but others will not. And many others haven't. Right. And this is what's happening. And now we see it happening in, in the in the village. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I and I want to get okay. Now yeah. I want to get to that. I just want to straight now. Just before we we sure. we're staying on bike lanes, but two of the other things that you um, that Rollins tried to rush past your committee, and I mean rush is in bums rush, yeah. was the eliminating the right hand slip turn off the Osborne Bridge to go down river to go westbound down river. Uh, even count, even Mayor Gillingham noticed that they were trying the same trick coming off the Osborne Bridge, off the Donald Street Bridge, rather, to eliminate these slip lanes because they've they've tried to cram cram a bike lane in, and they're worried about these so-called quote unquote conflicts. What they are worried about is causing gridlock going back over two of the major bridges yeah. uh, when, when, for when southbound other, traffic. When other cities have established programs to upgrade intersections along major regional streets, we're doing the exact opposite. You know, I, we, there's, we now have enough money in our local improvement. It was called, when I was chair of finance, we set up two programs, the local streets renewal program and the regional streets renewal program. These two programs were subject to a 1% priority tax increase each. They grow by about 14 million a year. We now have over $180 million of funds in each. We now have enough money to leverage those funds to borrow to fix every poor, every poor and fair rated street lane and sidewalk in the city in the next decade or less. Uh -huh. If we had the vision yeah. and the political will to do it. Tied to that, we could also implement a program of upgrading intersections, i.e. providing better yield lanes, providing better turning lanes for mm -hmm. left-hand turns all over the city. That would require land assembly, but we could do it. That requires political will and vision, something that I've been pushing for behind the scenes at City Hall, but it doesn't have... Well, you see, what you're lacking... Uptake but what you're, but what you're look at, lacking is urban vision, which well, is what Rollins was trying to pitch to your committee, yeah, that, yeah. that eliminating the slip lane is an urban vision, okay, and, and that these bike lanes are... Ur and it's an urban vision to get rid of 206 parking spots in a neighborhood, okay? Well, what I don't get, what I don't get is why would you create... Like, okay, and I... Marion Goulet, I know you talked about it before, but why would you take away for all those small businesses there, right? On Mar on Goulet, all of their fifty percent of their parking gone, and then you do literally uh, less than hundred yards away the same thing on Marion. Councillor Wyatt seems to be confirming a lot of the issues that we alone raised. The mainstream media is completely ignored that Councillor Lard runs from about the problems not only with the the idea with the process of. The bike lanes in particular, Marion and Goulet, that we, as I said, exclusively covered and broke that story. But the city's replicating the same process of mowing down people's rights, mowing down their interests, all in favor of some strange program that is counterproductive to what is really in the public interest. And when we come back from the break, you're going to hear Wyatt discuss how counselors are being kept in the dark and how the mayor, Mayor Gillingham, not only should have acted previously, but should be taking action now to change this culture of deception that's going on at City Hall. Back with more after this. 
The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. Whether you're concerned... Rush hour, people can't get home in this city. Angry or motivated. Which he hasn't mentioned anything about and didn't do anything about when he was in charge. Because that, that's a small stuff. Actionline.ca, letting you know you have the power. It didn't matter if they're NDP, liberal, conservative. They'd say, well, that's really expensive. I'd say, yeah, you know what else is expensive? Firefighters, water. Home of the great Canadian talk show. The point of uselessness when he wielded influence around the halls of 510 Main Street. With Marty Gold. Pretty interesting first part of that interview, wasn't it? Russ Wyatt's gone back to City Hall looking for political will and vision to fix our roads, fix our streets, create better turning lanes, better traffic flow. And he can't find the willpower around City Hall to join him in making things progress. And that there's no logic, but that there's a pattern there. Taking away parking spots randomly to fit some other agenda. Well, as you'll hear in this next part of the interview, uh, exactly when councillors find out some of these, you know, they might vote in favor of some grand plan, but as Al Golden used to say, the devil's in the details. And in fact, we're seeing that this is the best evidence of it, where councillors vote for these big plans for active transportation and bike lanes and, and all this other stuff. But then when it comes time for the implementation, it's not what they necessarily expect, and it's not even what they think is in everyone's best interests. And so we're going to get a little deeper here, this next part, uh, with, uh, with Russ Wyatt, about this whole process, the bigger picture of how it's affecting neighbors in a drastically unfair manner, how city councilors are kept in the dark, and how this goes against what Scott Gillingham himself promised in a major address at a recent luncheon. Here's more with Councillor Russ Wyatt. Are you aware, Councillor, of how many parking spots are going to be lost by the proposed Marion, moving on Marion project? No, that... Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Tell me. You're a sitting city councillor. I realize that yeah, you, yeah. you... It's on my ward, but I, I get, I get that. You as a city councillor, you are not aware of how many parking spots are proposed to be lost. Were you aware that when I canvassed the area businesses on Marion and Goulet, that I spoke, and I put this on numerous podcasts again sure. through, the, through the spring, that 38 businesses had no idea, that the biz director herself told me she had no idea about many parts of this plan but until she went to the open house and saw it for herself, that the Scotiabank had no idea that there's a proposal to put bike lanes on Traverse to connect Goulet and Marion. Were you aware of that part of it, Councillor? No, no, I was You weren't not. aware of that. Are you aware that they are proposing to remove... Uh, the, and the Councillor sure. Lukes, I have to say, Janice Lukes, to be fair, when I raised this question on the podcast, she actually sent me some document that looks like it was presented by the administration for, at her request, internal, that had a little chart that showed the number of parking spots being gained on Goulet technically at the loss of the express bus lane and being lost on Marion. And it came up, they gave her a number of 75, but that was a lie 
because they didn't include the losses on Traverse. The Bank of Nova Scotia, sorry, Scotia Bank nowadays, had no idea. The business that was there at the time was a pet, uh, uh, a pet store, had no idea. 99 parking spots. Now, let's add these up as I did since I have this opportunity with you, and then we'll talk specifically about St. Boniface. And I pointed this out on the podcast, and I know some city councillors listen, and I know some of them listen twice to make sure they heard it right. Woolsey, that abominable treatment of those residents in the Woolsey neighborhood eliminated 48 parking spots. Through Osborne Village, we're looking at 206. And Os- uh, through uh, St. Boniface, another 99 at least. With all the loss of the loading zones, the attendant loading zones, uh, allowances for traffic to actually flow properly. Could somebody have run for election as, say, mayor of Winnipeg on a, ca- on a uh, platform of elect me and uh, we're going to eliminate 400 parking spots through the middle of the city? No, unless, they, unless they also can propose a technology like the Jetsons that we can fly and not have to worry about parking. But this is what we've I done. I agree. And the, and the, and the challenge... So Why are counselors like you told that there's 99 well, parking spots at risk in well, St. Boniface? And the question is this, in the, in the state of the city in March of this year, the mayor's state of the city address at the convention center to the business community and to the residents of Winnipeg, he raised three top areas. And one of the, the third area raised is customer service and changing the culture in the city to put the customer first, being the citizen and small businesses. That is not occurring. The Goulet project, All right, let's, the let's Goulet project Goulet. could have been stopped the, by what, this mayor. I went to the open house. They At no point did they say that those bike lanes that we were told we could advocate to council to support or oppose, okay, after they did further supposed revisions based on the feedback, an open house that the biz members weren't invited to, right. that I can tell you the neighborhood knows nothing. There's no resident representation for the neighborhood around the, the hospital. And that is the one most affected by these changes because that neighborhood where I am is getting hammered by traffic all summer. I've never seen gridlock in this neighborhood. This is around a hospital. I was just at a Transco a biz board meeting uh, prior to our meeting here. And uh, Leela Dance, the executive director, is a, is a big uh, listener of yours, by the way. Um, and... And so I'm telling the board about what's happening in the city with the AT and the bike. And they're saying, well, Councillor Wyatt, why are we talking about this? This is not involving Transco. And I said, listen, if their ox can get gored, so can ours. And Transco and, managed to and, stop that, those, those. Well, we're fighting them still. I'm still fighting and them. And they try to sneak that right past oh, everybody. Uh, well, and they want to wipe out not only parking spots, but we fought tooth and nail to have, help a business get a patio. As part of the redevelopment and renewal customer of service, time. customer service. No, we can, we have to get rid of the patio. We have to cut down the trees that we just put tree vaults in for, and you know. So, so this is city I, planning with quotation marks around the well, word planning. And the irony of that is they don't even have a budget for that project. When I want to do consultation on a project that politically we've talked to the community about, we want to make happen. Well, councilor, where's your budget? The public works department doesn't even have a budget for this, and they're pursuing consultation, pursuing the project. I don't know why the tail is wagging the let's dog. Talk, let's talk. I'll tell you why. Let's talk about sure. public consultation. Sure. Let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the numbers. In, you have frequently reminded people, as I did in the podcast, you didn't mention it specifically, but when you addressed your fellow councillors uh, at the committee meeting at Public Works yeah. and Janice Lukes and Marcus Chambers and Debbie Sharma, and you, you re- remarked that you have what we call institutional memory. And you have institutional memory of the Assiniboian bike lane. And the third prong, because all of this pivots off of Assiniboian, right. and I'll explain why to, to the audience. I know Russ gets it. I'll explain why to the audience. I know you guys get it too in a second. 
The third prong of Rollins' uh, multi, multi-pronged approach to get all this stuff instantly done and ordered and bypassed proper public consultation was to close the corner of Assiniboine and Main Street to traffic, to through traffic. No right turns uh, coming up Main Street, no left turns coming uh, over the bridge from St. Boniface to go down Assiniboine, no through traffic. Everybody would turn at Fort Street. That's correct. Do you remember, Councillor White, why that was dropped? Well, I remember what happened. Or should I, remember, should I tell I you? Remember, I, remember, I remember when the bike lane went down on a Cinnaboyan and all hell broke loose. I remember the mayor of the day having to apologize. Yes. I remember very Do you well. Remember, I remember Campbell and Marr suing the city. Do you remember waving your hand in the air because you cared, along with every other councillor at the time, when the audit spurred by our work on Kick FM came forward and said, and one of the things it explained was, for instance, the tricks that are used. Traffic calming does not explicitly describe parking loss or the effect on traffic flow that could affect a property owner or a resident. And this dampens down interest in the consultation process to basically only those who are advocating from their narrow interest. That would be what we, what we shorthand call the bike lobby, but it means the active transportation lobby. You voted. And let's take a look now. Who was there? Brawadi was there. Ross Eady was there. John Orlico was there. Don't know where John is now. You four, all, put your hands in the air and unanimously accepted that audit that laid out principles the city would never violate again. The right of the public to full information, to proper public consultation. I went to that open house. You want to talk about Marion and Gouley. I went to that open house. I asked specifically, and I invite you to avail yourself of our previous podcast sure. on this. Okay. Asked specifically, how many parking spots are being lost? Nothing on the maps. Nothing on, uh, I think about 25. So when this project goes through on Gouley, because they're redoing curbs, and all of a sudden the bike lanes go in, and none of the businesses were, were told, do, do you want me, Russ, to go talk with the, the Wave Car Wash and with the Marion Hotel again, and ask them when they found out they were getting that bike lane on that turn regardless? I can tell you, Marty, uh, before I got into politics, I, I had the benefit or the fortune of my, my family, a small business, my mm-hmm. father insurance business, the corner region in Bond. And I remember working in the office there and somebody showing up and saying, uh, we're looking at putting a bump out here at the corner of region Bond that would eliminate so many stalls. And I remember my father there in, in no uncertain terms and, and maybe not the most diplomatic words, probably <laughs> the person from the, the bureaucracy of the city, you know, we're going to be dealing with a certain, certain way if you decide to do this, right? It never happened, but that's because he, he stood up and fought back. But a lot of folks... Uh, they are told, they don't told, know. And they're feeling... And I'll never forget back be, uh, when, um, when Bowman was rolling out all the stuff in downtown Winnipeg, I organized a lot of the small businesses in downtown Winnipeg, mm-hmm. including somebody who was a former cabinet minister who has a restaurant... In Exchange District, district yep. Who said, well, Brian wouldn't do this to me. I said, really? Brian Bowman won't he do did. this to me. And he did. And there are businesses that fled the exchange Absolutely. district. They're relocated in St. Boniface Absolutely. because of it. And they are hammered by this. And I took to yeah. the streets and I walked. I walked and I've talked to those businesses. I've talked to the residents. I found five residents Three businesses that even remembered seeing the postcard had a vague idea there was bike lanes good in going in, and none of the residents. And the residents by the hospital are unrepresented. We have no residents association there. And you know who's been silent on all this? Matt Allard. 
Not a word in defense of the businesses. Not a word in defense of the residents. Now, I put it to you. The former chair of public works. The yeah. man himself. You, Brawati, Edie, Orlico. I believe Debbie Sharma was on council. Brian Mays. I wonder. I think Sean Dobson. If I'm right, right that seven out of 16 councillors voted to uphold, to, to accept the Assiniboine Lake uh, bike lane audit recommendations, which included proper consultation with all stakeholders. The residents of St. Boniface have never been consulted about no. these bike lanes and, on Goulet. And, and I'll tell you who else hasn't, Russ. Right. The hospital wasn't. And the regional health authority wasn't. And you're shaking your head. And I have asked. And nobody has, has told me that they were. Yeah. No, and you know... If so we who's take, if we take the word of the mayor, our new mayor, that sure. the culture is going to change, when? Good when question. Is it, going to change? it has to change now. The culture has to change now. Scott Gillingham has promised it. Points out Councillor Wyatt, and yet the count the culture continues to neglect the responsibilities set out that City Council unanimously accepted they would follow certain principles following the Assiniboine bike lane. There's seven people, This that was off the top of my head, that are sitting on council now that said businesses will never not be considered stakeholders again. Residents will never not be considered stakeholders again. People will get clear information when with these airy-fairy, oh, we're going to beautify the neighborhood, and active transportation, climate change... But the practical effect, losing 99 parking spots in St. Boniface, never consulting with the hospital. And this increasingly bothers me, that the city makes these plans and they don't consult with the, uh, with the health care facilities about how this could affect not just access and egress, but life and death. Russ Wyatt, he had a look on his face. He was plenty bothered by this concept. And we're going to have more with uh, Russ Wyatt, and I'll tell you why. He dropped a um, sizable, surprising piece of information that I'm taking an extra day to try to confirm from other sources of City Hall, which is not to say Councillor Wyatt uh, was wrong. He was he he knows what he knows. He learned what he learned, and I just was trying to get some of the details. Uh, confirmed from another source. Jaw-dropping. A jaw-dropping, stupid, nonsensical, once again, a plan that would not only make things worse in a neighborhood, but would impede police, ambulance, fire responses, you name it. And so I'm looking for some more details, and we'll come up with that, I'm guessing, Tuesday. I want to give it a day, just see what else I can learn about the, the details of these ideas and the ex- precise locations. But you'll, be, you'll want to listen, especially. You own a business in Winnipeg. You own a, a small business in Winnipeg. You belong to a church or an organization that has a nonprofit, a business, or, or an establishment, right? Or a property, a, me- a meeting hall. You're going to want to listen to this. You're going to want to have your anybody you know that has those kinds of concerns to keep track of what's going on on this program. We have been a trailblazer. And you hear Councillor Wyatt's confirming it, and it all goes back to what went on in 2010. 
Seven members of council said that would never happen again, and it has, and it's happening across the city. Whether Transcona, Wolseley, Fort Rouge, St. Boniface, the pattern is clear. Will those seven, will those seven stand up for what they voted for 13 years ago to protect the ratepayers, protect the property taxpayers, protect the people who live in the apartment buildings that rely on the loading zones, protect the senior citizens, and protect their interests instead of letting the bike lobby get first and only priority when it comes to this sort of planning in our city and in our mature neighborhoods, I think is what the what the uh, term is. And so uh, there's going to be more about this later in the week. And then uh, next weekend, entirely different interview with uh, Russ Wyatt about City Hall in general, about what he's seen since he's come back, about what his priorities are, where he, th- where he thinks the city is going wrong. How the ability of the city to be a, a, how should I put this, a properly functioning, healthy uh, enterprise is being throttled and strangled. He has deep concerns about the future of our city. That will be in a subsequent podcast uh, here uh, on ActionLine.ca with the Great Canadian Talk Show. Um, I'm going to move away from civics after this break. Come back for a short wrap on this program, and I'm just going to discuss, as I mentioned, the ramifications, the way that uh, international conflict uh, is is being reflected in the uh, kinds of marches and demonstrations we're seeing here in Winnipeg, and it's something that should concern, again, every city council. It should concern the mayor. It should concern every city councilor. It should concern every elected official. Um, the kinds of behavior that is flaring up, even in Winnipeg, a lot milder than Toronto and Hamilton and some of these other places. But it could be it's just a slow-burning fuse here. And our elected officials have to be willing to show leadership and take some responsibility. Back with more right after this. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Jamrock Security has effective and creative ways to help protect your business, your home, and your community. Jamrock gets the job done so you can rest easy. Go to jamrocksecurity.ca or call us at 204-880-1564. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. Here to wrap up uh, episode 20, we'll have more civics coming up very soon. I've held back uh, one piece of information that uh, Councillor Wyatt, just a shocking, stunning piece of information about a plan that apparently is being floated inside City Hall. I have asked a source for more information about this, but I'm going to go with this story this week and absolutely shockingly bad, stupid uh, a concept uh, for a bike lane that will destroy an established, uh, what they call mature Winnipeg neighborhood, absolutely anti-business, absolutely anti-safety, and repeatedly the city keeps coming up with these plans that affect traffic in the neighborhoods of hospitals 
it, it's it's not just dangerous; it's negligent, and uh, it's uh, bordering on criminal in some respects. So we expect that uh, we're going to look into that, bring that information out that uh, Councillor Wyatt told us about, uh, and uh, then I'll have another interview about the broader issues at City Hall, what he's seen since his return to Five Ten Main Street, and and uh, Councillor Wyatt says that the city is is being strangled throttled, strangled, that he's very concerned about the future of our city because of the way the administration, uh, pro- administrative processes work. He says that Mayor Gillingham is obliged to fix things the way he's promised, uh, and it's simply not happening. Lots more coming up with Councillor Russ Wyatt as we uh, refocus our efforts towards uh, City Hall. You know, one of the things that's hurting this city, before I get to our uh, the meat of, of this final segment, I just want to say, one of the things that's hurting this city is a lack of local coverage, a lack of insightful local coverage, a lack of local coverage that demands accountability. You're not going to get that from the mainstream media newsrooms, but you will get it anytime I'm on the scene and I'm on the beat, and that's why we need your support, because that is funded through you, through our advertisers, our sponsors, uh, through um, different kinds of work opportunities uh, uh, that might come up that we avail ourselves of that come from you, our listener, our sponsors, uh, those who support that you recognize that we support your values, your goals, uh, and uh, no one else is going to do it. But we have the passion and the drive and we've been doing it for, for many years now, for decades. And again, your support ensures that it's going to continue. Now, I wasn't expecting to have to go into this, but the international tensions flaring at the local level uh, rallies this weekend, all in for Palestine on Saturday. Uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, that rally, which had about uh, 20 or so pro-Israel, and you notice these are never described as anti-Israel rallies. They're always pro-Gazan, pro-Palestinian. They're always phrased that way in, in the U.S., especially in New York. Those are straight-up anti-Israel rallies, violent rallies, uh, with police lines being charged. They had that problem in Toronto, the Gardner Expressway being uh, being targeted uh, by protesters, a Jewish restaurant being picketed by protesters. Another Jewish restaurant in Toronto had its entire, uh, whatever the computer or the, the register was, it had all their pricing on it, their inventory, stolen somehow. A window was shot out of a, uh, I don't want to say that they're prominent, but uh, certainly individuals that are well known as advocates for the state of Israel and for the Jewish community, their window was shot out this weekend pellet with a pellet gun. Hmm. Well, not shot out, shot out. You get the idea. It's certainly broken by, by a pellet gun. Um, maybe it's a coincidence, just like the murder of that uh, synagogue president in Detroit. Might be coincidental. May not be related to inflamed tensions. Might be. Might be. Of course, there's going to be inflamed tensions. Uh, the the march on Saturday, all in for Palestine, the free press estimating the number of participants uh, for the uh, pro-Palestinian so-called side to be over 1,000. Uh, Far-left media outlets proclaiming it to have been 2,000. Those far-left uh, outlets uh, proudly displaying the various uh, photographs, the scenery that could be taken at that, that march, having converged, uh, picked up some supporters from the anti-parent parents' rights uh, march. They're marching against and protesting against Muslims, unless the Muslims are against the Jews in Israel, in which case they're all for it. So you end up with people carrying signs, trans queers for a free Palestine. Those individuals will be the first people tossed off the top of a building, off the roof of a building in Gaza. They probably be offered a blindfold first, 
as is that fine cultural tradition. And yet here in North America, and probably across Europe too, the brain-dead individuals who glom their oppression Olympics on with everybody else's oppression to try to elevate where they rank, develop uh, kinship with all sorts of people, with all sorts of grievances, because the Jews in Israel, they're a colonial settler state. We learn this mentality from no better a place than the Manitoba newspaper where comment editor Jesse Cron takes a look, so the tweet said, at how films and stories teach us about apartheid and violence in Palestine. This is what goes on on campuses here. There's a virulent anti-Zionist uh, instructor at the University of Manitoba would deny the president of the, of the university, Michael Benarush, would deny that his family has any any link from their centuries in Morocco that they aren't linked in any way, shape, or form to the land of Israel. No, the fact that two of his brothers are rabbis and have lived in Israel and one, one I think, still does and one lives part of it. Oh, you can imagine how bad it would be to be somebody like Michael Benarush in a position of authority in this community, in a position of respect in this community, and have underlings and instructors telling his students at the campus he runs and where he negotiates with the province for the funding. You get the idea? And they'd be saying, well, you that guy there? Yeah, well, he's your enemy. He's a settler colonialist. He, this Moroccan benefits from white supremacy. University of Manitoba newspaper. This column talking about the the, uh, years of oppression culminated in the militant group that controls the Gaza Strip, Hamas, breaking down sections of border fence on October 7th and launching an attack that killed at least 1,400 people in Israel. The University of Manitoba student newspaper concealed that terrorists murdered, raped, and kidnapped civilians. This editorial going on to say this focus on that one act, that would be the horrors I just described, by the way, rather than on the seven decades of settler colonial violence that precipitated it. Hamas's responsive violence on the weekend of October 7th. This country is full of individuals just like Jesse Cron making excuse for terrorists, for terrorism, for wholesale slaughter, for slaughter of people not even over a political, this isn't a land dispute, this is religious hatred. When you hear the term Palestinian cause, the Imam of Peace has said, this is synonymous with Palestinian Nazism. And so, whereas on over the course of Friday and Saturday, somebody might have had their window shot out, and a few people might have gotten some harassing messages, and there is Sikh Heil coming from the so-called pro-Palestinian crowd, Memorial Boulevard, and on their march, a newspaper uh, helpfully providing information that from the river to the sea, clearly an anti-Semitic genocidal chant heard on the streets of Winnipeg, though I don't think they got in any Antifada chants yet. Let there be no mistake, from the river to the sea, free Palestine, those are chants associated with terrorist groups. Imagine if somebody said, well, we're marching to support the German people in 1944, and their chants were, or their songs were the same as things that are ch- were chanted or sung by the Wehrmacht or the SS. The Einsatzgruppen theme song. That's what you have going on in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, incident in Calgary, Vancouver, the I believe the community centers in Vancouver and Calgary, um, both targeted over the course of the weekend. People in Toronto having someone, individuals knock on their door when they see a mezuzah on the uh, doorframe going, do Jews live here? This helped along by the Prime Minister claiming that the Canada was somehow investigating in a superior manner to other countries that had done so, 
uh, about whether Israel had been responsible for the bombing of the hospital in Gaza and taking till Saturday night at 10 o'clock after the mosques had gotten whipped up and after these rallies had been whipped up about the notion that Israel had somehow killed what is believed what was claimed to be 500 people and it turned out the, this rocket was a Hamas misfire that killed 10 to 50 people in a parking lot near a hospital. The government of Canada, the prime minister, letting this this misinformation fester, contributing to the antagonism. A rally for Israel Sunday being concurrent at the Human Rights Museum with uh, a rally that certainly the Manitoba Communist Party was promoting. I don't know who the official organizers um, were, uh, per se, uh, the communists, of course, having marched on Saturday through the streets of Winnipeg, proudly flying their flag in support of the Palestinian cause. At the same time as signage was being displayed, uh, it, it seen also in Warsaw, an international incident uh, as a foreign med student carrying in Warsaw at that, that march, a sign saying, keep the world clean, and showing uh, the Star of Israel, uh, the Star of David, flag of Israel being put in a garbage can, similar to Nazi imagery, and lo and behold, that same image, uh, almost exactly seen in Winnipeg. That is provocative. Imagine you have people in Canada saying that the go- a government that is that the that Canada recognizes, the state of Israel, isn't legitimate. What do you do with people like that? What do you do with people that endorse the kind of violence, the kind of 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 medieval slaughter, barbarism, that was propagated on unarmed, innocent civilian senior citizens and babies. And the government of Israel, uh, on Monday, going to be showing the international press uncensored footage straight from the GoPro cam. I guess people are going to be saying, where's the evidence of the burned babies, the decapitated babies, the... the, uh, the uh, uh, Carving up of human beings, the missing body parts. I guess they're they're forced the government of Israel, all these. They, I mean, they would have been Holocaust deniers in another in another generation. Government of Israel going to be showing that evidence. We'll see how it's reported in Canada, if at all. We'll see. How bad does it get? You wonder. Well, in Rhode Island. Hamas, dressed like Hamas, chanting like Hamas in Rhode Island, drive Jews out of Rhode Island, was among the language used. Jews must leave. Some of the crowd dressed as paragliders, celebrating the killing at the music festival of over 260 people. They'd stop at Jewish-owned businesses, bang on the doors, spit on the doorsteps, screaming obscenities at the flag of it. That's in Rhode Island. Is that coming to Winnipeg or is somebody going to draw a line in the sand and say, stop, we've already had from the river to the sea, clearly a genocidal chant allowed on the streets of Winnipeg, free Palestine, the favorite chant of the Hamas types in line with ISIS and Al-Qaeda now, allowed on the streets of Winnipeg, seek Heil salutes towards the Holocaust, uh, those whose parents perished in the Holocaust. That's what's going on in the streets of Winnipeg right now. And then on Sunday, rally for Israel, concurrent with a, uh, as I said, I can't say put on by the communists, but certainly the Communist Party of Manitoba participated uh, uh, in in the um, Sunday gathering. I guess is how I can uh, 
how I can describe it. Uh, competing rallies at the museum, grassroots rally for Gaza. After about an hour, about equal numbers on both sides, and I just, I just want you to keep in mind, the Jewish Federation, being very weak-kneed and lily-livered, do not support any counter-protests. They put out a circular saying they just don't believe in them. So what happens is, the Israelis in Winnipeg, of which there's 4,000, because the Ash, the Jewish community, led largely by a, you know this old-school mentality, this shtetl mentality, don't make any trouble, don't let anybody, don't... Now you don't stand up, and all the media sees is thousands of people some of whom support Hamas, some of whom make excuses for the slaughter of innocents. Right? Well, Sunday you had equal groups because the Israelis are organizing themselves separate from the Jewish community. You had about two separate, two equal contingents of around 75 folks each on Sunday afternoon, a Palestinian supporter grabbed an Israeli flag and ran it over to the Palestinian side of the street where people stomped on it. Well, in May of 2021, they burned, they stole and burned an Israeli flag and the police did nothing. And now the police, we're seeing what happened when the police took no actions and there was photographic evidence, including CTV video, and they did nothing two years ago. So now we see it's fair game on the Israelis. See, that's how it works. They got away with it before. Why can't they get away with it again? This resulted in an altercation between the two sides, charging at each other with uh, about a couple of dozen uniformed cops having to race in from a parking lot. The Israeli side at the request of police dispersing to avoid a confrontation Ramzi Zaid, president of the Canadian Palestinian Association Palestinian Association declined to comment saying it's unfortunate one or two people's actions flared things up but it's just the way things go see Kyle, just the way things go when rocks and bottles were thrown at, at Jews and Israel supporters in May of 2021 in front of the legislature. After chants of, we'll rape your daughters and we'll stab the Jews of Tuxedo. And no charges were laid. It's just the way things go. Ramzi Zaid retweets, uh, as in the past, retweeted posts endorsing Hitler and the genocide of Jews. It's just the way things go. But the Winnipeg media never questions any of that, do they? No. No different than any other place in North America. Winnipeg surely has those who support the tactics of terrorists, the slaughter of innocents, the kidnapping of babies. And whereas Mayor Gillingham initially put out a statement decrying anybody expressing support for the terrorist activities, it's continued and he hasn't said a word. That won't last for long, I don't think. We're going to need to see some leadership from the mayor and from the premier. It's pretty easy to see where people stand. Just ask them. Whenever they talk about settler colonialism, wait a minute, just ask them. 
Should Hamas be eradicated or not? It's a pretty simple question. If they don't agree, harass uh, Hamas needs to be eradicated, like the Nazis. Well, that's just the way it goes. Who's going to establish the line in the sand? I have. For many years, I'll continue to do so. For Western values. For the Judeo-Christian ethic. For the kind of society where Jews, Jews and others don't have to worry about locking their doors and can live in peace. And we now see the Jews across this country, thank you, Justin Trudeau, are terrified. It wasn't clamped down on two years ago, and here we are today. I'm going to continue to speak out about it. I'm going to continue to make sure that those who are allies of Israel, allies of the Jewish people, allies of democratic values, that you know what's going on. Incident by incident, whether it's a window shot out or people getting harassing messages, like, we know where you live, we know you the names of your kids and your pets. All these things are going on, not only in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, but in Winnipeg too. Who among the Winnipeg political leadership will step up and say, I stand with Israel, I stand with the Jews, I stand against terror, I stand against intimidation, I stand against Islamist Nazism? Because that's what we're faced with. You don't believe me? Ask Imam of Peace. We know where we stand. We'll continue to stand for you, whether it's on this subject or other matters. We'll be back with, we'll be back with lots more on the, in the realm of civics and the public affairs, of course. More uh, from our interview with uh, Transcona Councilor Russ Wyatt. Your news tips, your support through it by Interact. Questions, comments, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Hit us up, uh, donation through PayPal, or if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, uh, uh, have us do a live event. Uh, if, uh, or address your organization, your, your organization, your crowd, your rally, let me know. I'm here for you with your support. I'll continue to be here in the future because unlike the Winnipeg mainstream media, I have never lost focus of what's important here. And while you've been abandoned, why is there mayhem at City Hall? Because the media doesn't know how to cover it and they don't want to cover it. And they don't want to give counselors the, the kind of breathing room that they need to be able to express their concerns. We do that. And we do that at the provincial level too. And it's going to come up more often federally. We stand up for you, whether it's in your neighborhood, on your street, or all the way to, the, to Parliament Hill. And that's because I've never lost sight of the most important factor in this kind of work. And the driving force behind everything I do with ActionLine.ca and the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. I always remember and never forget, you have the power. ActionLine.ca. Let's get right down to business. Our launch event exclusive interview with Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities. It looked like we were off to a good start. Then from there on, it was just jumping through hoops. The man who beat the city of Winnipeg in court was awarded $5 million and counting. They try to interfere with his development. And then we just realized this was essentially a game. Here, Andrew Marquez tell his story. This planner had a meeting with Councillor Orlico, and Councillor Orlico said, slow down the plan, basically stop it. On ActionLine.ca. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at... TGCTS. 